Game Off 40. This week we got news on a new old game release by Nintendo called Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light? Fuck, was it Blade of Light? Yeah! yeah. We also got our showcase (laughs) of the week. We got Crusader Kings 3 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake. I'm your co-host Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia, along with... Solid Talker, a.k.a. Me, Andrew, Andy, me, a.k.a. Solid Talker. Andy, what's your home address? <laughs> you almost got me. <laughs> you shout those orders at me and I'm just going to respond. All right, well, let's talk about some Fire Emblem news. You want to talk about that a little bit for me? So, you may have remembered a couple of weeks ago when one of Nintendo's secondary franchises hit a big milestone. I think it was 35 years of mario which is a you know, decent sized ip for nintendo and they celebrated with a couple of remastered remade games on one system but for their big mainline title the one that makes them all the money that they're known for fire emblem <laughs> that game everyone's played with all the characters that are definitely known across the world uh, they're going all out and releasing a game that has never been localized in the United States. Mm-mm. The first one that was rich of the NES, as you said, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light. And not only that, they've got a, a, this huge anniversary edition with a replica art, like a, like a clear, looks like almost like a resin cast cartridge with the game art on it and a little sleeve and an nes game mm. box a mini nintendo power collectible a big art book a really cool box as opposed to the just this is a game that we're releasing you know three copies of uh that they gave for their lesser franchise mario <laughs> and this has a lot of new features that you definitely haven't seen in nintendo virtual console type releases before things like save states and rewinding Again, things that you have not yeah. seen. These are new, exciting features that have never been in an NES release on the Switch. So, so from from my understanding of the Fire Emblem <laughs> franchise, just, just on, on that exact point, those features, I think, are built into the game system. Uh, the game's battle systems, not like a, not like a uh, sort of meta thing where you just rewind to actual play. It'll be like you can rewind a turn and stuff. Just to be clear. And, and you know, th- that is that is neat, and that is interesting, and would have been really cool for a game in 30 years ago. Do that math <laughs> yourself. But, <laughs> 1990, there we go. But my thought is, like, as all of their other Switch online games, the NES ones, the SNES ones, already have save states and rewind functionality in them, devoting half of the video that they use for this release trailer to that functionality seemed weird to oh, me. Oh, did that? Whether it's it, in the game or not, like, they spent a good chunk of that video showing off oh, that you could rewind I didn't turns see the video, and you actually. could save I just state. read the press release oh, yeah. and the, the articles on this. Huh. Oh, it's it's a significant part of that video. So it was just a video, video on these these new features that they're adding to the game. Yeah, it was two and a half minutes long, and they were it, it, the beginning of it was kind of like showing kids playing Smash when they added Marth. Yeah. In what was that was that Brawl or Marth? Marth's been know. around since Melee, I believe. 
okay melee uh, and then they had like some American kids be like, "Who's this Marth guy? What the hell's Fire Emblem? That sounds stupid." <laughs> uh, takes me back. And <laughs> then they're like, "Hey, we're actually gonna. This is a series that's been around for a while, except we just didn't think Americans would like it, and we withheld it from you because we're assholes." <laughs> and they talk, they show off a little bit of it, and it's yeah, your standard Fire Emblem, but from the NES days. And then a good portion of the rest of the video is showing off that you can rewind turns and go back and save state. Yeah. Effectively. That's, that's weird to shuck as a new feature for a game that never existed in the United States before. I, the, Those features are good in the current Fire Emblem games, the games I've played. Hmm. Um, they're sort of expected at this point from an old Fire Emblem, especially one that I have no concept <laughs> of the features in it already. You know, maybe that's what made it so weird for me hearing it was that, like, I, as an American who didn't play this game because it didn't exist in the United States in the 90s, had no reason to be impressed by yeah. these features because I have no context. Because all the them. features are new features. <laughs> what the fuck? Because this game's never existed before, and it's also at the same time 30 years yeah. old. Boy, it looks dated, but <laughs> I still want to play it. But I'm a, I'm a Fire Emblem stan, I guess, so... Oh yeah, and that's you know that's that's why I immediately thought of you when I saw this news. <laughs> and it's also only available until March again, yep. like the Mario one. So unlike the Mario one, because I am such a Fire Emblem stan, I'm a hundred percent gonna buy this. And it's I I I hate it because they are limiting it. Like if they didn't say they were limiting it, I would have bought it and not had any apprehensions about it. For obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they're doing this stupid shit again, like, really gave me pause. It's like, oh, this, I don't want to support this shit. Um, yeah, they, it, it, I believe they're also doing that for the digital side of things, too. And also, fun fact, that the mm -hmm. digital release is only $6. So, you, if you want it physical, you have to upgrade to the $50 Mega Collector's Edition. Yep, and that's also while supplies while last. Supplies last. Because all Nintendo cares about right now is artificial scarcity. Yeah, they're also that's their entire business model. Found out today too because I was I was going full stand and trying to pre-order it. That they never like really announced the pre-orders were open, and they're only doing it through two retailers, both of which, in my experience, Best Buy and GameStop, handle pre-orders so fucking poorly, so poorly. Ugh, <laughs> uh, it's it's just been a catastrophe. This this whole thing. It's I I feel like I'm trying to pre-order one of the next-gen consoles, trying to get this goddamn collector's edition. <laughs> and you're trying to buy a fucking. I'm NES trying to buy game. an NES game with quote-unquote new features. This is exactly why I don't want to support this shit with with my wallet. I'm guessing that someone at Nintendo heard about the Disney Vault, but only had the concept explained to them through like a, a game of telephone. <laughs> And so they understand it, but at no point did anyone explain that add that crucial last step. And everyone hates it. And everyone hates it, and they stopped doing it fifteen years ago because everyone hated it, and it made more sense just to sell people the things that they wanted when they wanted them. Especially when like it, the next generation of media comes out, and then it the old media is totally devalued because that wasn't like the VHS era. 
And we, and we had all those mm-hmm. fucking VHSs. And you know what they did? They depreciated in price so fucking fast because they... Oh, yeah. They sold these things like they were collector's items, and within three years, everyone realized it was absolute horseshit. <laughs> and if you go to a Goodwill now, I mean, not now because the world's on fire, but prior to now or in a year's time, their VHS section is just full of Disney, um, whatever the hell they called them, like the, whatever the version of the, the Criterion Collection yeah. were. But that special side, that weird plastic clamshell mm-hmm. case, like they had... And it's just full of them because, as you said, they sold millions of them while trying to make it seem like it was this exclusive thing. And I guess Nintendo goes in the other direction or at least goes that one step further and also doesn't make a lot of the physical version for some reason. With Mario, they only did, what, 400,000? Yep. And people went nuts trying to get copies of them. And, you know, they were immediately there. There were already people scalping fire emblems within like 20 minutes of the pre-orders yeah, going they're already 150 dollars on ebay triple the price yep no yeah and like even to just conceptualize the numbers like uh, the new mario games probably sell about 10 million copies maybe up to 25 million so even though mm-hmm. they're re-releases like you still expect them to sell a couple million like easy like without even scaring the shit out of people and trying to you know drive the the fomo senses through the roof so they and then they for whatever fucking reason, 400,000 is the number they landed on, and people are literally tearing each other's arms off trying to get these things. It's like online Black Friday from circa mid-2000s. It's... 3D All-Stars is in the top 10 best-selling games of the year. Including between physical (laughs) and digital editions. So, like, what is the point of... I, I just don't understand the point in having these artificial oh it's gone we can't it's not like their license runs out yeah it's not like netflix where they're like, oh we got to renegotiate with nintendo of america to re-release these like no it's your fucking game just leave it up there forever yeah yeah, yeah. The, the same fucking thing is going to happen like it did with the disney vault like people think that this this version of this media is you know the the perfect forever version that they're going to have and adore but then they forget that you know Nintendo releases a new console at a much greater frequency than any of the other, you know, platform holders. So there's a good chance mm-hmm. we'll see a fucking Switch 2 or whatever in two or three years' time. At which time, I guarantee they're not going to support backwards compact because Nintendo is stuck very deeply in the past on, like, technological advancement. And they frankly don't give a flying fuck about that. So... And they'll happily sell you the same ROM four times. Exactly. Because it's just emulation. And they will. And if they sell a physical version of it, it'll sell like gangbusters again. As long as they wait the predetermined amount of time before, for people to forget that they just pulled the shit. I'm a little salty, I think. Yeah, I, I could I could kind of <laughs> feel that. But, you know, it's it's all right. It's, it's deserved because it's there's no way that this is good for the consumer no. it, it this doesn't benefit the game player this doesn't benefit the consumer this doesn't benefit market developers yeah. anyone but nintendo no yeah this, this is one I'd, I'd really love to hear like a, a, a viewer's opinion on this if you guys have something to say about this that contradicts what we are saying and thinking please let us know because yeah uh, i i would love to hear someone explain how having these things available only until March and 
producing far fewer physical copies than they know they'll sell because these are big name titles in big name IPs. Mm. How that benefits people, yeah. the the actual consumers and gamers in any way. Yeah, yeah. Even like the word exclusive, it it should sort of have a negative connotation, and I think people still sort of see it as like, oh, I'm part of a small club, like that's cool, but like you're not at all like. This is, this is quite a, quite a large club, and most of this club is suckers, unfortunately. And I, I there's yeah. a good chance I'll be joining that crew because I mean I I bought 3D All Stars, yeah. so I, I I can only speak so far. Yeah, but like it, it the whole thing's gross. I'd rather buy it in a year's time when there's not a fucking shortage because I'm not I'm not fucking dying to play Fire NES Fire Emblem. <laughs> the game looks terrible. <laughs> It looks so dated, but, you know, because I've played, you know, almost every Fire Emblem that's become available, I want it. I want it as part of my collection. Yeah. It's a piece of history. Yeah. It's a piece of video game history that you want to experience. Yeah. And it's really shitty to just put all of these weird gates in front of it for the sake of nothing. Yeah. To, to create a feeling of FOMO. Yeah, honestly... What I'm going to do is do some research and see how much it would cost just to get an old Japanese NES and see how much the game costs. Unfortunately, these <laughs> games have greatly appreciated in cost, but I think that would be a much better collector's item than this fake NES case that they're shucking out with, you know, this this sad corpse of Nintendo power. They're like, oh, remember your nostalgia for Nintendo power? Yeah, I know we canceled it because we didn't give a fuck about it, but... <laughs> We know you guys loved it, so here you go. Here's a little piece of history for you. Now, remember when up. we used to give you this shit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Anyway, yeah, I... well, keep us posted with that with that uh, that quest. I'd be interested to hear more if if you go down that route. I, I would really like to hear dissenting opinions because all I hear is pretty much similar. Probably not as aggressive as far as what we've been saying, but people are usually like. Why why can't I just buy it in six months? I don't have money. <laughs> like, and that's fair. <laughs> Better get good at yeah, earning get money. Good, man, that's that's it. Get 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 your MMR up at your career. Well, that's that's probably enough of that. I'm I'm sufficiently riled. I, I think so. Uh, yeah. No no other news today, right? We're gonna go straight into. No, I don't. I don't think there's anything worth talking about All there. All right. Well. Harsh transition, slam into Crusader <laughs> Kings 3. Let's talk about that. Yes. Smash cut to an overhead map of most of the world, at least the interesting part yeah. of the world. And, um, and uh, Game of Thrones theme song. Game of Thrones theme song. Oh, God, we're going to get demonetized. Don't sing it. Don't sing it. I can't. I've not seen the show. So, Crusader Kings is a game by a company whose name I knew at a previous date and time. And I'm going to try to come up with it now. Oh, shit. It's Paradox. It. What am I talking about? Yep. A company called Paradox Interactive, who make a lot of really cool and publish a lot of really cool games, mostly in that strategy realm. But they also publish, like, the Mountain Blade series, and they're a cool company. Paradox is worth looking at their stuff. They have created this game this series of games called crusader kings which up until crusader kings 3 i found completely impenetrable <laughs> in, in what sense they are there's just a lot going on 
and their interfaces and tutorials were not great. They were the, one of those kind of games where people would tell you, okay, first thing you do, boot it up, play through the tutorial, then go watch a couple of YouTube tutorials. <laughs> because they'll, they'll explain, like, interacting through menus, but none of the grand strategy of the game. Mm. So there's a lot of things that you know how to do, but you don't know why you're doing them. Crusader Kings 3 has... I believe, improved on that quite a bit because I've been able to play more than four hours of it. And I actually put quite a lot of time into this game. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the general idea is that you can pick one of any ridiculous number of nations in the old times. The old times. In the past. Starting in, um, I think, like the 800s? Yeah. Into the 1000s? Yeah, I think it's pretty strict... Or, uh... It's pretty much what they refer to as the Middle Ages, I believe, right? That would be a much more intelligent term to use than the 800s to the 1000s. So The 1000s. Look at you. <laughs> uh, and you can pick any member of the hierarchy, the, the medieval, what do you call that? Lineage, whatever. Um, Dynasties, I think. They might refer to dynasty. Thank you, man. I can't remember any of the words that were used in this game. Yeah, I played. I'll, I'll take I over. I promise. From I played here, it. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go grab myself another cider. You keep talking. I actually got this woodchuck pear seco. It's really good. Just you know, if woodchuck wants to sponsor us, pear seco. Pear seco. It's really nice. Pro seco and pear. I assume that's what. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's very the, the the pear is very light and the, it's more of a like a, a prosecco with a light hint of pear, oh. but it's very very you pleasant. Know, I miss, I miss it comes in a, in a nice. They do a great job. Yeah, don't they don't they? have it down here. No, that's a shame. That's a shame. What are we talking about? Well, anyways, that's that's been Solid Talkers Beverage Corner, <laughs> uh, Crusader Kings. So, you are any one of the members of this lineage dynasty of any one of these nations. These t from. Big things that you've heard of, like Spain, all the way down to these tiny little African nations like Grebo that you've never heard of. And I apologize, I don't know if it's actually pronounced Grebo or Grebo, it's G-R-E-B-O. So I apologize for my pronunciation of that. I forgive you. Region of Africa. Uh, you are taking over their family, and you are basically playing kind of as the head of that family, and doing anything you can to increase your position within your kingdom, your realm, and also create alliances, take over territories, build up your wealth, get married, have kids, foster and, and you know, be fruitful and multiply and get your family tree going to kind of make your family better and get your family into a position of power. Or if you're starting off as the king of a nation, just to kind of grow your, your power there, take care of your vassals and make sure they don't revolt against you. It's kind of a hard thing to explain because it's just like be in the middle ages yeah. as some piece of nobility, as some member of nobility. Could you... And I was going to say, could you explain like how that plays out? Like what, what does the actual gameplay look like? The, what oh, do you do to get yes. your family stronger? Quote unquote. It's a lot of menus. It's mostly menus and pop-up windows. Uh, it's a very UI-intensive game. And a lot of it is... So you've got yourself, and you're trying to build an alliance with another nation. So you can do that by sending them bribes. 
which is literally just selecting them and sending them money. You can use your spy master to, to investigate them and find out information about them so that you can gain hooks on them or blackmail them. Uh, you can marry off one of your children to one of their children forming a bond. You can offer them pieces of land. You know, th there's a lot of different ways to interact with a nation to build that alliance. Or if you want to in invade a nearby nation, you can raise an army, which is just kind of like a little piece on a map. It's This is all done through the map. There's no zoom into a battle like a total war game. Uh, it's almost more like, you know, the battles almost look more like advanced wars where mm. there's just kind of a little bar at the bottom and there's your guys and their guys in a bar that's slowly shrinking on both sides of that. Mm. Like a tug of war. But you can move your men around the map and just kind of plop them onto another country like you're playing Risk or Axis and Allies and watch that play out and go and loot people to get money from them or go and fight off, stop their looters or stop them from invading you. If you've ever played a Total War game, it's like the the campaign map part of Total War and without any of the actual like tactical Total War bits. And everything is done by just looking at yourself, looking at all of these traits that you have. And there, there's a ridiculous number of traits and personality traits and physical traits, various handicaps and deformities that can play into um, and affect everything that every way that you interact with other people and, and the chances of different things playing out. There are a lot of random events that pop up of, hey, your son witnessed a person robbing someone on the street and how you deal with this will affect various traits of you know like honesty or intrigue or feelings of justice or vindictiveness in your child which affects what kind of ruler they will be when you die and they take over the throne it's a lot of things it's a lot of different systems all at the same time yeah, so one of the things I, I heard a lot about this game, uh, obviously you spoke to sort of how emergent it could be. Um, a lot of people said that there was a lot of really good just natural emergent storytelling too. Do you have any like moments that really stuck out while you were playing? Yes, there there's a lot of interesting storytelling that you can get. I'm actually, I'll actually share a moment that a friend of mine had where he was playing as the Queen of Spain and trying to seduce the Pope. <laughs> Which obviously would be if she could seduce the Pope and have that knowledge of the Pope having an affair and, and this kind of thing over him would give her some power over him. And in the process of trying to seduce this Pope, she gained a rival of the Pope's secret gay lover who was also a bishop and also secretly an atheist. <laughs> Which is a, a wonderful little nonsense bit of soap opera -y is, thing to, to emerge there. This is the soapiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and it... I actually I actually tried playing a multiplayer game with him, and he kept trying to s seduce my wife. <laughs> Good friend. Which, di which didn't work out and didn't have the effect that he wanted because I was secretly gay. <laughs> <laughs> so, a, a lot of little things like that where your personality traits... Um, you know, kind of work together or you act something happens and now you're just suddenly deformed <laughs> because of a a riding accident or a hunting accident or you know, something like that or your your child is 
is born with a club foot and now that just affects their growth and everything going forward and and these kind of these rivalries that you create because there's some neighbor next to you and no matter how many times you try to assassinate them it doesn't work (laughs) yeah and so they, they just you know even though you've never been caught you now have this idea that they are just this unkillable. I I had one woman in a neighboring county who was in her 80s and I had tried to assassinate her like six times. (laughs) And I I, I had successfully killed all of her children, all of her grandchildren, but I could not kill her. Just for some reason, she just kept getting lucky. And it was a very amusing kind of thing of just this unkillable old woman in this one territory next to me that would not yield to my (laughs) army. (laughs) And that, that's uh, one of the more interesting things the game does too, right? You have like pretty sophisticated mechanics even just for like the, the right of, you know, passage of your estate and everything, right? I forget what they call it, like succession? Um, yes, the succession rules, succession rules can get very complicated and very, if you don't keep them in mind, because they're different for every nationality and religion and type of faction or tribe or feudal government you yeah. have. Uh, I played a lot as that nation of Grebo, Grebo in, in Africa, and their succession is that everything is split among your children. So so whatever, you, whatever realms you control by the time you die, when you die, it's all equally split among your children, which effectively breaks up your empire. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to fabricate reasons to jail and murder all but one of my children to ensure that all of the work I had done in uniting this part of Africa would not be lost when I Jesus. died. Jesus. I, I, I gotta I gotta unite the mainland, man. It's what Jesus I gotta do. Jesus Christ. Homicidal maniac. Only, it was only like five kids. Only <laughs> most most of them were over oh over God. teenage age. It was I'm it, calling it's CPS tough, right you have to make now. tough you have to make tough calls to keep the empire empire together. Okay. And there's a lot of things you can do as far as like, you know, you can set rules for, you know, it's a preference of a male heir or female heirs are not allowed or male, heir, you know, or it, you can have different levels of it's, it's got to be this heir or anyone with blood or you know, yeah. however you want to do that line of succession or you just appoint them or there's some kind of when you die, there's almost like, I can't remember what they call it, but a kind of selection process where yeah, all of like the vassals vote as to who, yeah, and they all vote as to who should take over. Yeah, and and changing these succession rules is like extremely hard, from what I gathered. Like, you need to get the head of your religion on board, and like you need to be like the the king of the king or the head of state as well. And even then, it's not oh, it's, easy. It's very difficult for for playing as is because uh, the faction I played as the most was a tribal faction, and to try and get them to move away from being tribal, I think took eight or nine generations of my family to build up enough capital with the local religion and build up enough cultural capital mm. to make that change. It's, it's a, it's a big, it's a lot of time you have to put into things. It, almost like civilization on steroids yeah. with just the, the length of time these games go on for. So that, that was going to be my next question is, uh, can you put the, the, the amount of time into perspective for us? Um, you you talk oh, about generations, gosh. eight generations. How long would you approximate that as game time? Forty hours. Long yeah. time. It, it's it's a long the like things five hours and, per and granted, a lot of it, that sounds about right. 
yeah, and a lot of it will depend on how quickly you get yourself killed. Because <laughs> um, it's, you know, with that kind of gameplay, it's not, it doesn't really care about you as the protagonist, like making sure you stay alive and have a good time. Like, you can just die and now suddenly you've got your eight-year-old son is in charge of the, the realm and there are a lot of things he can't do because he's a yeah. child. So you're just fucked if you can't keep your, your nation alive for another eight eight nine years until he's old enough to actually take the throne proper yeah that's that's one of the most beautiful things in that game is there's like there's a system for literally everything so if you do have an eight-year-old that comes into power then you lose like the respect of all of your vassals and suddenly like they're trying to like branch off from the fucking the the mainland or whatever else or take over other territory and become the king themselves all because like you died yep. prematurely and your child isn't old enough to to uh, to uh, ascend the throne. It, it's been a really interesting game to play, and I really like it. But I, I do have some criticisms in that there are a lot of systems that feel kind of like that wide, shallow pool. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I think of is you have this ability to imprison people. And you can do some cool stuff with imprisoning people. You can negotiate releases in ransom where not only does someone have to pay you a ransom of money, but they have to convert to your religion, which is an actual effective way of spreading your religion around, is capturing people, forcing them to convert to your religion as you release them. And then they go back to their home county or home territory and that increases your influence the influence of your religion in that area which is really neat or you can force them to renounce claims they have on land effectively neutering them as a landowner and as a liege but on the other side of things like if you're involved in a big war with a neighboring nation and you're able to capture the son of the king the heir to the throne it doesn't really matter. That's treated like any other prisoner that you could have captured. Mm. Which, it feels like that should give you, okay, we're in the middle of war, I got the heir to the throne here in my ca- in my keep. That should give me something. There should be some additional thing I should be able to do with that. But you can't. Because it, it just kind of treats them like any other hostage, any other prisoner. Mm. And that was a, a moment of, like, I was expecting, because it wasn't a planned thing. I was just, they were attacking me, I was attacking them, I was defending their invasion, and I got this prince. And I was like, oh, good, now now I can turn the tides in this war. Because I have leverage. And no, I didn't. I had no leverage. <laughs> it was as if I had captured the guy's, you know, treasurer or something, or quartermaster. Uh, brutal time period, man. Yeah, and you know what, that, you could explain it that way, is just like, all right, yeah, fuck my kids. But there's, I think that there is some, there was something that, that felt missed there. Yeah. And there are little moments like that where it, it felt like I should have been able to do something cool because I got myself into an intriguing situation, but the game was just like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's just plus two to this. Yeah. Like, but, but no, I did something really cool. Nah, it's just plus two to that though. <laughs> like it, it's mostly just variables. It, it, this is all kind of a very interesting UI to a very complex spreadsheet. Mm. 
and all everything you're doing is just kind of affecting numbers up and down really and sometimes that leads to really interesting narrative things yeah but it's, it's also but in, t- in the same sense that like dungeons and dragons is just a game that's on a sheet of paper Yes, but they would, you know, I think people would generally tell you that a good DM is one who would see a situation emerge that doesn't quite fit into the rules oh. and say, no, narratively, I'm going to bend things a little bit because this is a good opportunity for story. Yeah. Okay. And and that's, uh, granted, it's a, it's a video game, so it can't do that naturally. It doesn't have some kind of magic emergent AI <laughs> to do that. But there were little moments like that where it felt like I was really not... Um, like I, I, it reminded me that, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter that this is a prince or it doesn't really matter that I've captured the capital city here because it's, it's just numbers. Yeah. There were a lot of times, and I think this is more of an issue with the UI where, because there are so many things you can do, it's not always clear why you can't do something. Hmm. So there are things that'll be grayed out, or they're just there'll be an a, an option in a right click menu, like like to offer vassalage is something that I ran into a lot. Being able to offer vassalage to a a, a country that you're going to try to invade, and say, look, just let's skip the war, just become my vassal, you'll be fine. Sometimes that option is in the right click menu and available. Sometimes it's in the right click menu and menu and grayed out, and sometimes it's not in there at all. <laughs> And I've never figured out why. And a lot of times I'm not really sure why I can't offer vassalage to this guy. Because it's not a clear like, oh, you need an army at least 80% larger than his. Hmm. There's some kind of math it's doing behind the scene, but that's kind of obfuscated to you. And rather than give you the option to pull up, which is which is what like Civ does, you can always make these offers to people in Civ there's only just a certain number of circumstances where they'll actually accept them. Most of the time they'll just laugh at you. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, little things like that, that detracted from individual moments of my gameplay, but did not take away from the whole experience. Mm. It's a very good game. Yeah, no, it sounds very solid. Yeah. It's a great one to lose a lot of time in. And it's one that I think is, because it's kind of got that, if you ever played like RimWorld or Factorio or any of those kind of games of like, I'm going to push this button and then watch what happens for a minute. And okay, all right, I'm going to adjust this lever here. Let's watch for a minute or two. That that style of gameplay or like yeah. a Dwarf Fortress. You're not actively clicking all the time. Sometimes you're just sitting and watching things play out and then stepping in when need be. Yeah, it's, it seems like... Th- you make good use of the, uh, the the fast forward features and all that because it doesn't seem like you're yes. just always doing something in this game. Sometimes you got to speed up time where like a year passes by in five seconds. Yeah, a lot of times there's just you're waiting for your army to regroup, yeah. and it's all right, well, I can't, or I'm waiting for this war to end because that was actually one thing that really ticked me off, and I could never understand. If my vassal got into a war with a neighboring faction, I could not go to help them. And I never understood why. <laughs> He's like, an independent I know that it's woman. not allowed. <laughs> it's not allowed, but like this is my kingdom. Clearly, I have a vested interest in making sure that he doesn't get just torn apart. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. W- one of the more interesting things I saw um, was there was a vassal, and he basically took over all of the land. Okay, I, I don't know how to explain this without me saying that I've also played the game. I was trying to play dumb. But I <laughs> in in my playthrough, I had, had a situation where I had gifted someone my primary land like i gave him like i forget what they call it but he was basically the lord of the land where my capital city was so i kind of fucked up um so i I basically only had like some weird land outside and so then he became really hungry for like the rest of the land like basically like the capital kingdom area and so he took over all of the rest of the fucking country and then he made demands of me. And all the while, I could never step in to, like, fight him off and be like, hey, you're you're literally killing my other vassals. Like, I, I couldn't figure out how to, like, put him in his place, essentially. And there are a lot of systems like that in the game that seem like they, the limitations that exist for the purpose of game balance. Yeah. Which I get, but because it's a game that otherwise is so narratively focused and focused on letting you tell this story, when you hit those invisible walls, it's very jarring. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a weird moment. And I, I've also experienced things, like you said, where I had captured the wife of, like, a, a, a rival kingdom, and, like, there was nothing to it. Like, as soon as the war ended, ended it just got, I auctioned her off for the to the highest bidder. <laughs> Which I think was that king? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever. Whoever's paying. That's his problem. Yep. <laughs> now it is. Yeah, that, that basically sums up me. I mean, it sums up sounds like I only talked for 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, it, that that kind of does it for me. I, I think it's a really good game. And if you've got Game Pass, it's it's available on there. And I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, it's uh, PC only, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, and uh, oh, uh, Mac and Linux. Oh, fair enough. Um, good would, for them. Would you recommend it to most people? I think I'd recommend it to most, uh, I hate to use the term gamers because that <laughs> sounds super gatekeepy. Uh, I'd recommend it to most people who like, who like video games and who like things that don't, that aren't afraid of be or aren't shy about the fact that they are a game and you need to be aware of all the numbers that you're punching yeah. and all the numbers that you're affecting. Yeah, it's, it's a meaty stew of a game, for sure. Yeah, a meaty stew of a game. It's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you need to learn to get into it. just Or to get to the point where you can actually, like, yeah. have a strategy that might work. It's not a, I'll install it at 10 p.m. and be having fun with it by 11. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, kind of, learning the ropes. And if you can find someone that you know that plays the game who can kind of answer your questions as you're playing it, mm. like I did, it's very helpful. And, and for their reference, about how long would you say the tutorial took to go through? Hour and a half, maybe? Hour, hour and a half to get through the tutorial. And it really only explains mm. the bare bones of stuff. It doesn't really get into the, the larger strategy of here are things that here's a way that you would actually use this feature to leverage someone else. Yeah. That's fair. Well, they know what they're getting into. (laughs) It sounds like a good game. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, this final fantasy, final fantasy game seven. 
remake? Have you heard of it? I mean, I know the Final Fantasy series. I've never heard of Final Fantasy VII. Was that a was that a big um, game? Did that did that do well at all? No, I, I I think it came out on the Super Famicom. This is the first time it's ever been released on the U.S. The graphics are really okay. good for a thirty-year-old game, man. I must say. <laughs> yeah, Final Fantasy VII remake, a highly anticipated game. I don't think does it justice. I'm not gonna go too deep into what it is because I feel like I'm gonna be just insulting most people. But Final, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII is. Uh, pretty much the apex of popularity in the Final Fantasy franchise, which is coming on its 16th mainline game on top of an infinite number of spin-offs. So, wildly popular franchise in Japan, in the US, all over the world. 7 is often regarded as the best of the franchise. A lot of it has to do with storytelling. Um, the battle system, even at the time, was fairly rudimentary, but it did a lot of really good characterization, did a lot of good uh, narrative things, and it had one of the most infamous villains of all time, Sephiroth. Um, you play as Cloud, and you go, go through the world. You go start in the city of Midgard, and then you leave Midgard for various dramatic reasons that we'll get a little bit into. And after that, you're in the open world doing all sorts of different things, some political intrigue, some action adventure, some, you know, super boss fighting. Final Fantasy Remake, however, has a incredibly narrow scope in terms of old-school JRPGs, old-school Final Fantasies even, especially in the context of Final Fantasy VII. It takes place exclusively in the city of Midgard, which is, I oh, I meant to look this up, which I think is only the first three or four hours of Final Fantasy VII, which is, I think, like a 60 to 80 hour game. I think that's right, or, or very close to that. Yeah. So you play this entire game in what is effectively just 5% of the original game. Um, you play as the same characters, you know, you got Cloud, Tifa, Barrett, um, Aerith a little bit later, you meet up with some other faces later in the story, it feels weird to, like, not talk about it, because it's spoilery, but only in the context of the remake, but you'll get some, you'll get one <laughs> additional character towards the end of the game that is part of your, the OG team. Um... What, what's wildly different about Remake, though, is that the combat system's completely different. Um, it's very much action-based, action uh, more along the lines of, like, a Dark Souls or a Devil May Cry, and less along the lines of turn-based JRPGs of yore. Um, where the game succeeds is not in the combat <laughs> it, it is uh the combat <laughs> oh no the combat is really chaotic and one of the things i really liked about final fantasy 15 is that the combat was chaotic but somehow it always kind of worked and you never really knew why like it felt a little bit under designed but it sort of like had a charming jank to it this game it feels like they tried to design that out even more and make it like this beautiful chaotic symphony of you know pressing the pressing the fucking square button over and over again and expecting something like phenomenal to happen because it's really not 
that input intensive. Um, and unfortunately, like not that much really interesting happens when you when you're in normal combat. The best case scenario is you kill everything so fast that they don't become a pain in the ass. With bosses, I you can it's so hard to dodge things and block things. It's crazy. I honestly think that one of the worst parts of the game was the combat. And I have a two-page list of grievances with this game, so it's saying a lot. Uh, oh, I'm excited for that two-page list. <laughs> um, yeah, so like it, th- like when it does work, it works, and it feels good and fun. You get off an ability. Um, ATP, ATB is what you need to spend on using abilities, and you straight up cannot earn it unless you're playing as the active hero. And unlike in old games, or the old game, this one you're only playing as one character at a time, and the other characters are gaining ATP, ATB at an extremely slow rate if you're not playing them and actively attacking. So essentially, you're only playing as one character at a time, and the other two are just auto-attacking or diddling off and not really gaining ATB, so you can't use their abilities or anything unless you switch to them. It, the whole thing, like, it, it never clicked for me at all. It was just like, okay, I need to use... Aerith's abilities, so I gotta switch to her, and now that's the only hero I'm doing anything with. But now I need to use Cloud's abilities, but he doesn't have any ATBs, so I gotta switch back to him and attack with him for like five seconds until he has enough ATB. And that does not sound fun at and all. And then, oh, Aerith's dead, but she's the only one that has the res material on her, so I have to use a Phoenix down. And oh, I, I get interrupted while using ATB, and it cancels my cast, so now I need to generate more ATB. So that I can use an item, so I can res her, and then I can gotta get more ATB, so I can use another item, so I can heal her before she gets one-shotted again. It's... Jesus. It's not... It's not a beautiful marriage of, you know, high-octane action and RPG elements like they were going for. I I see what they were going for, and again, I think to some degree with Final Fantasy XV, they executed on that promise. In early trailers for this... It looked like they could possibly execute on it, and it just never quite felt right. Especially because, like, on the defensive side of things, like, it, it it feels all wrong. Like, you can't dodge anything. Dodge is the most useless fucking ability in the game. If you're guarding, you're walking at the the pace of death. Like, you, you need to somehow avoid things and block things at the same time. But if you're blocking, you can't dodge things. And if you're dodging, you're not dodging anything because it's a useless fucking ability so you're getting hit with everything anyway the <laughs> everything you're describing sounds like a battle system in a in a new series that's like if you remember the, all those like action rpgs that came out in the early days of the xbox 360 yeah yeah like uh lost odyssey blue dragon those sort of games yeah, when they were all just like experimenting with weird shit. Yeah. That's what it sounds like you like you're talking about and not the Final Fantasy 7 remake. Yeah. And that's why I like to draw the uh comparison to 15 a lot cuz that's what that was. Like it was totally experimental. When that that was announced as versus 13, everyone was so intrigued because it was just the, the battle system was so out there. It was weird, like he was just throwing his sword into walls and holding onto the sword and then he was casting magic while holding onto the sword in the wall and then dancing through the sky like a little princess and 
then you played it and it was like, well, it does some of those things. And for the most part, you're like, well, this is cool. This was a cool experiment. I can't wait for them to do it in the future. And then the <laughs> 7 Remake came out, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, maybe they have fucking perfected this. And it honestly feels like a total step back in combat from 15. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I. it's... The, the aerial combat stands out as some of the worst gameplay I think I've ever experienced. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's, it's something... It's something that 15 actually did pretty well, because while you were in the sky, you could, like, throw your sword at someone and teleport to them and continue attacking them. In Final Fantasy VII, what you do is you slash up directly, and then you swipe in the air where you were for, like, three seconds, and then you fall to the ground. Meanwhile, all of the aerial targets are smart enough to not stay where they are, because that's not what you do when you're in the air. You're not a fucking static object. You're flying, you have wings, you're flying around, or you're a helicopter boy. You just float away and laugh your ass off as Cloud just goes, swoosh, 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 jumps to the ground, and then he has to (laughs) run over to where that fucking guy is and then jump directly up and hope, pray to fucking God, he doesn't move again. Because otherwise you're going to be doing the same thing for fucking ten minutes in combat that should take 30 seconds. Anyway, I'm not mad about that at all. Fucking yikes, man. I'm not mad about that at all. Again, it's hard to square this with everything that I saw in E3 and and pre-release shit. And the the fact that this is the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yes. Yeah, it's it's madness. Um, (laughs) I, I finally did get excited about this game when they previewed the first boss in a trailer. And I was like, wow, this actually looks really cool. I didn't. Be- oh, is it the one at the end of the power plant? Yes, exactly. I I, I didn't yeah. believe in what they were doing whatsoever, and then when I saw that, I was like, "It's I'm I'm buying this for sure. This looks right down my alley." But it it it's not that. It's not, don't don't believe that. Um, I I will I'll say some positive things because there are positive things about the game. So I'll do that before I I devolve into absolute madness here. Um, the game is so beautiful. It is beautiful. The cities are fully realized. You basically have like two slum cities and one bigger, not, it, it's still in the slum, but bigger, more civilized city, I guess. Um, and they're beautiful. All the set pieces are gorgeous. The animations are beyond beautiful, like some of the best I've ever seen. They fully render all of the weapons that you have currently equipped into all the cutscenes. They also fully render the materia that's in the weapons in each of the cutscenes. It looks great. They did a really good job with that. Um, Except for one situation where you're like, you're sort of climbing through this one area and you look down and there's very clearly just like a flat image that's supposed to represent (laughs) the entire slums. And I was like, there's no way they thought they got away with this. And then I, I looked at the patch notes that just came out recently, and everyone was like, you seriously didn't fix this? Look how shitty this is. It literally looks like something out of, like, Kingdom Hearts 1, because they would do that a lot back then. <laughs> In the is PS2 it supposed era. To be like, is it supposed to be like an homage to the first Final Fantasy, where they ha- or the first Final Fantasy 7, where they had the, um, like, everything had those kind of almost like hand-painted map backgrounds no i wish it looked that good it looked okay it literally looks like a flat image that's it's probably like 
It's supposed to look photorealistic too. Maybe that's part of the reason it looks oh, terrible. Um, okay, I I thought that I was trying to be generous and maybe they were trying yeah. to do a fun little thing there, but now no. But that's that's one example of where they they've really fucked up uh, in, in sort of the ambiance of the game. But in every other sense, they truly did excel. The game is beautiful. It's it's worth watching. Like. A playthrough of if they skip all the combat and you could just sort of like get get just yeah just watch like maybe a let's play like a 20 minute let's play of somebody <laughs> going through a level and you'll be like wow noise um wow i don't really have oh the music's still very good i was really excited oh good I was really excited about the music did they use a lot of the original music like re re-recorded remastered yes yeah re-orchestrated yes some of it's just the og stuff some of it's like adapted for new generation um, with the same melody and, and what have you. They did a very good job with it. There's there's some old references to old Final Fantasy games in the uh, in the music as well. So some nice Easter eggs there. It did a really good job with the music. It's one of the collectibles in the game too. So it's like, it's kind of one of those rewarding collectibles where it's like you don't just get it and it's like, you did it, nice job. It's like, oh, I can put this on a jukebox that I can hear while I'm walking around town. So... I think they did a good job with, like, again, a lot of, like, the, the world building, uh, the ambient things regarding the game. Now. Everything but the combat. Now, yes. Now where the game falls apart is, yeah, the meat and bones. The combat is not good. It's satisfying, like I said, in some cases, but not good. But I'm going to move past that. The story pace is incredibly slow, which makes sense given what I've already told you, or this is really only supposed to be five percent of the the full story of final fantasy 7 <laughs> they've somehow managed to slow it down into a 30-hour experience and they did that simply by making everyone talk 50 times more there's good there's less combat in this game than there was in final fantasy 7 but there's 10 times as much talking so what you're getting with final fantasy 7 the the best parts of the game are probably the the walking around and the the sort of dating simmy parts of it because it's not <laughs> the game's not shy about the game is not shy about really like selling these girls to you it's it's very much like a a, a male fantasy game you even Jessie's built out to be like a romantic interest and she's just like a, a minor character in the original final fantasy that just goes away at some point but in this they spend a good amount of time just doing close-up zooms and like giving blurry filters to her and she's teasing cloud and telling him she wants like how handsome he is and all this stuff like i saw a lot of people when when this was first released tweeting about how thirsty she was she's a thirsty bitch you know what that's fine but they do the same they give the same treatment to Tifa and Aerith Um, they're not as thirsty obviously so (laughs) you get you get a little bit of a breather you can sort of you know quote unquote fall for them on your own terms I guess but the game is (laughs) but why would you that's the thing the game is overtly trying to get you to like fall in love with these girls like this it's a weird part of a Final Fantasy game that I never thought I'd experience like I know, like, they've they've built up, they've characterized, like, females in the past, and they've been like, well, look how charming she is. Like, I can see, like, 
I like she's she's cool. She's cute. All right, I'm gonna waifu her or whatever. They were, they were pushing lightning for a while there, as if she was the most interesting and intriguing girl of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they were dressing her up in every possible like uh, marketing scheme they possibly could, and like she's a really good character. But like I I never felt like there was like a romantic aspect to her. <laughs> so I, I didn't understand why that had to be such a huge part of final fantasy seven remake. Um, because it really is the, one of my favorite things actually was these discovery missions. Um, what, okay. what you would do is you'd ma- meet a certain amount of criteria, uh, usually like doing all the side quests or something else. And then like, Somewhere in the world, like, a discovery mission would pop up. So it was, like, a reward for doing all of everything, basically. It was, like, a completionist wet dream. And so what became a completionist wet dream became, like, a literal wet dream as you are... The rewards are 50% just intimate moments with the girls in the game. So it's, like, the the very first one in the game is just uh, Tifa invites you to her apartment and she lets you in and it's this tiny apartment and she's just like sit on the bed cloud and you're like they know what they're doing they know what they're doing yeah so th- that that cloud that i thought of very much as a, as a sexually virile and active person <laughs> back when i originally played this on the playstation <laughs> yeah she so that the whole thing is like she's trying to ask you um what dress you think would look good on her if she were to dress up for a thing. And this this question actually does have ramifications in cutscenes later in the game, which is cool, and that's the part I like about these discovery missions. But then, like, you have these options that are like, you should wear something sexy, and then you get the dialogue for what she would say to that, which is very much like an anime response. It's just like, oh, Cloud, you dog, or whatever the hell. Um, so, like, that's sort of what... <laughs> You expect from Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, Boyfriend Edition. But but no, like, it doesn't go as far as, like, you picking out your schedule and everything like that in a classic dating sim. <laughs> no, way. no. No, there's there's no true dating sim mechanics to the game. They just... just Alright, I'm less interested now. They, they know how much time people spent shipping these games over the last two decades, two and a half decades, and they just, right. like, leaned way too far into it to the point where it was uh, just just overbearing like like Tifa's one of the best characters of all time like you don't you don't need to tell tell me she's she's a good looking woman like I can figure that out on my damn my damn own um but yeah that's it it felt a little bit I don't not condescending it felt like it, it's hard to explain you, you really have Shameless. to experience it um but yeah moving past all that uh that was i haven't gotten past the first line by the way um yeah so every character in the game is extremely chatty like i had mentioned one of the biggest problems though is that sephiroth is really chatty a character that's barely in the midgard chapter in the original game he some reason has taken it upon himself to emotionally harass cloud um and just wouldn't you if you had the opportunity uh well after playing this game i i know i understand why he does it because clouds (laughs) an annoying frail bastard um yeah it it there's a scene like extremely early on with sephiroth and then you like you deal with the cutscenes that you're probably familiar or the flashbacks that you're familiar with 
Um, but yeah, there's like there's just weird amount of dialogue from characters that didn't need it. Uh, the side quest design is terrible. It sends you back to the same areas you've already been to, even though the main quest sends you back to areas you've already been to. So sometimes I had ended up going through the same area about four times just to complete like main quests and side quests. And oh, fun. And I mean, that's really highlights the fact that the open world is really just about as open as an indoor mall. You have about the same amount of space to wander around. Um, so you can sort of get why that's kind of annoying because there's really only like th- mm-hmm. three or four combat areas that you can quote unquote grind. Um, yeah. But yeah. How much was this game? I paid 40 for it. I waited for it to go on sale because I didn't see the value in it and I'm glad I did. It does go for $60. It really, really does feel like it should be a triple A experience, but it's like a, a two and a half A experience. Like it has, it has all the polish and none of the good design you would expect from a triple A game. Oh god! Oh, there's so many grievances. Why does every game have slow map loads? Oh, I know why. Because they're over designed. Stop wasting my fucking time. Just give me a 2D map that loads in a millisecond, and not this no not this like sexy blue map that takes 13 seconds to fucking load. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Items are a pain in the ass to use inside and out of combat. I've already explained that you need ATB in combat to use fucking items. Outside of combat, you use them the same way. You use them in the goddamn menu. Uh, so you have to select them one at a time, cast them on a person, and then do that 45 fucking times. The only exception is you can use magic from the menus, so you can just spam that on people to heal them. But if you're using the healing items you need to go in and select high potion eight times and assign it to someone and then cast it and then wait for the cast animation to be done and then do it all over again man you talking about frustrating ui and needlessly repetitive actions it just it's warming my heart (laughs) it's really getting you getting your jollies off huh It, it really is just to hear someone else talking about how bad UI design can really hurt someone's experience in a game. Yeah. It it actually, like, destroyed the experience. Like, it was some of the dumbest UI design I've ever seen. I'm sure I have more notes here about how bad the UI is. Let's see, let's see. Let's see. Um, I, I, not really, actually. But I did note that the materia menu or the actually the the upgrading and the equipping menus are fucking nonsense here's a good one yes i did remember one so what you would have to do when you got a new weapon is you'd have to go down to the explicit upgrade menu because if you didn't have it upgraded to hold all the materia from your previous item it wouldn't automatically move it over to the new item so you'd have to before equipping it You'd have to go upgrade it, make sure it had the correct amount of materia slots, upgrade it all the way, back out two menus, equip it, change the menu <laughs> to the materia menu, reassign as needed, etc., no, etc. No. Et the upgrade oh, menu. Game. What are you doing? The upgrade menu. It has a special animation. It's like this burst thing. It takes like a full three seconds to get in before you can start upgrading an item. Goes like, boosh, and there's a big old explosion, and you're looking at it, and it finally expands out, and then you can actually do something in the menu. And you have to be in this menu every 
like 30 minutes <laughs> and oh, then you gotta do God. it individually for each character ah okay moving on <laughs> you know actually on on that note i was watching someone play a game called Iconfell, which is a little indie game i want to shout out here yeah. very quickly and they were showing off the store interface for their game it's just you know it looks like an old school rpg and when you're in the store looking at items, you know, like uh, equipment, armor, weapons that you can buy, you have little portraits of all of your characters in your party in the corner. And for every item that you hover over, it shows on each portrait an up arrow, a down arrow, a up and down arrow, or an X, depending on whether or not it increases their stats, decreases their stats, a little bit of both, or is unequipable. Oh, the good old days. So you can just... Like, in one menu, just, oh, okay, that's good for that guy, and that's good for that guy, and that's and that's not good, and he can't equip that, done. <laughs> like, and I, I see it. that, and then I hear stories like this, or I think back to my time playing The Division, and think, what happened? What happened to us? <laughs> We've lost our way. <laughs> we, we, we gained visual fidelity at what cost? <laughs> I'm not willing to pay this cost. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Are you going to go into spoiler territory at all? Uh, for this game, I don't think so. I think a lot of people are experiencing okay. this for the first time, so I'm going to sort of be hands-off. Okay, that's fine. Why, why did that bring... come up? Oh, no, no, it, just, it was just something that I was... I have heard other people talking in spoiler territory, and I was curious as to where you, whether or not you were going to go there. No, I'll, I'll probably make a quick aside about the story at the end here, um, but I have... A handful more grievances that I must. Oh yeah, get yeah. Did, did must not, be known. Did not mean to rush you on. No, I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll try and rush it because I think I've been ba- I, angrily screaming at a microphone for about twenty minutes now. <laughs> um, the motorcycle section that everyone remembers so fondly is cancer. It is cancer. Skip it if you can. You can't skip it. Bad news, guys. It's terrible, and you have to play it. And you have to do it. There's two two motorcycle sections. Please look forward to it. Um, oh, good. Good, good, good. I, this is an interesting one. I have never, ever in all of my days of video game playing and movie watching ever heard a villain refer to themselves as the villain in one part of the game. Not, no, no. In one part of the game, this man says, and what does a villain do? Or what reason does a villain give? For her, why does a villain reveal his plan? And it's like, because he knows he's already won. Ha <laughs> ha. And then he does something villainous. And you're like, is this real fucking life right now? That is like an Austin Powers dialogue. Yeah, exactly. This is straight up Dr. Evil shit. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like the. Oh, okay. Moving on. Um, there's a lot of like weird mini games that I believe the original game had, but there's like full tutorials for them so that they take 50 times as long so you'll have like a a crane thing where you need to move like three shipping containers in the entire game but it'll put like a four page tutorial up for you to figure it out please treat me like an adult game that's all i want you can't start the game on hard I died one time in the entire game, and I did all the side quests and the optional bosses, and obviously the final bosses, 
died one time. Game wouldn't let me play on hard, though, for some reason. Don't know why. Have to unlock it. It's a problem with a lot of games, actually. It's very... That's condescending. You fuck off. You let me play whatever difficulty I want to play from the get-go. Uh... Yeah, that that always pisses me off in a game like that. Yeah. Especially in a long game like that. Like, it's one. it'd be one thing if it was Super Meat Boy or something, but you're... <laughs> What you say clocking about thirty hours? Yeah, the main story is about thirty hours. Yeah, it's, it's so like you have to play it again if you want to play it on a challenging difficulty because normal's not fucking hard. It's only artificially hard because you have to, you have clunky mechanics and aerial combat that's cancer. Um, but other than that, it's not that challenging. Um, there's the the game gives you so much materia in the first like five to six hours of the game that you could never possibly use even like a quarter of it until the the actual end game like you need oh. you need the best weapons in the game so that you have enough materia slots for it and they all need to be leveled up to the max which is associated with your level so it's not that big of a deal but yeah you you can't you can only use like fucking 10 materia for most of the game but the game dumps like 40 on you like right out of the gate and you're like I what do I, I can't level all this up I can't use it I'm gonna stick to what I know like I'm just gonna use fire and thunder and whatever elemental weaknesses I need in this area so it was, it was the pacing not only in the story but also like the itemization is just all wrong um towards the end of the game you finally realize that there's actual villains and you go through a museum where the museum tells you about these characters because the game couldn't be bothered to characterize all the bad guys in the game up until the actual last mission. And then it forces you to go through a museum and learn about all of the bad guys. It explains to you who these people are right before you have to go and deal with them. I could not believe this was a story element in a game in the year 2020. What? What? Yeah, you heard me. I I don't know either. It's it's very bad storytelling. Very bad. But they already had a story. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of crazy that you can still fuck it up. They already had the story. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's a good story too. The original one, at least. Oh yeah, yeah. And what what I've loved. And I don't know if it's it's happened with this one here because I know that the the story has taken, has has expanded and and you know it, it is its own story, um, but I love seeing the people who have not picked up or, or somehow played the game and have played it again recently and have not picked up that there's any kind of politics in the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, like the entire story is like your your cloud is essentially a mercenary hired by eco-terrorists and (laughs) and they're they're dubbed eco-terrorists by a a, a far overreaching capitalist society where the corporation is also the government and they are just spinning up tales about like who these people are and what they're doing and who's paying them and all this stuff that the politics are (laughs) pretty in your get face your politics out of my yeah. games well get your politics out of my games get 
your SJW nonsense <laughs> out of my games from 20 years ago. Yeah, well, yeah, they really did fuck up there. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the long-winded response to is it a good game? Would you recommend it? Um, I would not recommend it to many people. I would recommend it to people who will never play the original Final Fantasy because it's it's a fascinating world. It's a fascinating story. Skip cutscenes if you're bored. There's not a much <laughs> point to about 50% of them. Skip combat if you can't skip combat. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, they need to do like those, those Switch skip. editions of the... Uh, of FF7 and 9 where you could just play the game at 300% speed uh, yeah. and skip over combat. No, that's straight up what this game needs. More than those games. Those games had a good pace. This game this game is wrong on a lot of levels and it's definitely partly because I'm a Final Fantasy fan and I'm going to be more critical on the franchise because I have expectations because I know what this game could be and what it could have been. So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to mask my tremendous disappointment with it. I did play it all the way through, obviously. I enjoyed it sometimes. When the combat worked, it worked. And then it, it, when it didn't work, it took away from the game as a whole. Um, when the, the story took away from the game, it, it hurt it a lot because that's what you're doing for most of it. It's a, There's a tremendous amount of talking. It's unbelievable. I think I could probably estimate that I was only in combat like 60 times in the entire 30-hour experience. Like, that would be a, a probably realistic guess. And if this was the, an OG Final Fantasy, you get into combat 60 times in the matter of, like, 20 minutes. If you're just wandering around in the open world. Uh, recommendations? I can't recommend it to everyone. Take, take what I said with a little grain of salt. Do your own research if you're interested. Maybe I maybe I've pushed you in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my final thought. <laughs> okay, okay, I that sounds interesting. Yeah, that's that's a word for it. I I I don't you, know what else you to haven't say sold me on it. <laughs> well, I. You are not the target audience for this game. You would not last three hours, and that's not a hit on you at all. <laughs> I'm, I will have you know that I did play through a number of Final Fantasy games in my day. I beat 7, I beat 9, I beat 1 on the NES when I rented it from Magic Video. <laughs> Those are all good games. Why wouldn't you beat them? Yeah, well, 1... It's seven and nine are very good. I played a good amount of eight. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh no, no not I... hot take time. Not doing that. You well, no, it had triple triad. Triple triad was fun. Yeah, I did play a lot of triple triad in fourteen. The, those man, they had a, they had a knack for making card games in their otherwise extremely large RPGs. Yeah, yeah. The 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 nine one. Well, what the hell was that called? That was Tetra Master. Tetra Master. That was a lot. I of fun fucking too. love Tetra Master. Yeah. There was a part of me that that secretly hoped that they would make a Tetra Master game like they did with the Pokemon card game on Game Boy. Yeah. Like just a whole game about 
playing that because oh, I had so much fun. With it. I bought. I think I may have told us I I own a physical copy of the Tetramaster game. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, that they didn't even release in the U.S. I think they only released it in like Japan and Germany. Yeah, what? A... So I had to print out translated instructions. Do they do they not know how much Americans love card games? It's it's uncanny. What are they doing? <laughs> bring back Tetramaster and Triple Triad. There you go. Bring, do some bring sort it back of, like, more Final Fantasy card games HD collection <laughs> and. Put Pazak in there, too, just for Pizak. fun. Yeah, okay. Oh, fuck. Okay. I'm I'm winded from my, my fury. Uh, shall we rank yes. these? Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. I, I'm going to put... I'm going to put Crusader King 3 at number 3. Ooh. Right? Wow. I, uh, it's, it's a really good game, and... I've I've kind of burned myself out of it, for the moment. But I kn- I know I'm going to come back to it. Yeah, that's how I feel about it's, it too. It's one of those games. Like I I just know that I'm going to go go back and put in another thirty hours. Probably, oh, we'll see how next week goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whether I need it for escape or joy. Andy needs a hug. Everyone, uh, give 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 him your address, Andy. <laughs> Uh, how about you I'm going to put Final Fantasy 7 Remake at number 11 okay which is okay pretty <laughs> worse than Minecraft Dungeons oh yeah Minecraft Dungeons is a decent little game <laughs> yeah no I have been kind of meaning to go back to Minecraft Dungeons as well and Crusader Kings where's the time go Andy why won't someone just adopt me so I can play video games all day? I tried, but the paperwork didn't go through. Oh, well, thanks anyway, Daddy. Apparently, I needed you to sign it as well, which didn't seem fair. But <laughs> I don't have rights. I'm just a I'm just a piece <laughs> of meat. All right. Um, do we have any sponsors this week? We do. We do. Um, oh, great. Have you a question for you, Brent? Uh, you know, apropos of nothing, just off the top of my dome here. Uh-huh. Have you ever opened up a board game on Family Game Night and found just the dice are gone? You know? <laughs> yes. They're just gone. I can definitely relate to this. Maybe you go back in the closet and borrow them from some other game, but then, like, that game doesn't have them either. Like, <laughs> where are all the dice? How do you keep borrowing? And then event they're just all gone. How often? You don't even use dice that often, you know? It's, it's Why would you even weird. take them out of the box? Who would do this? Borderline spiritual. Well, I have some good news. And the good news is this that I'm about to say. The scientists at Bird Brothers have been asking those exact same questions <laughs> that you and I have for years. Their R&D department has just begun <laughs> its third double-blind study in the matter, with human trials scheduled for spring of 2021 which I know is giving you peace of mind, and you can't put a price on peace of mind. Just imagine someday, soon, we will all know the secret of one of life's greatest mysteries. And if you don't want to wait, that's not a problem, because Bird Brothers has developed a new dice-based game called Slotsy to make up for the lack of dice in your life. It should stave off the longer ramifications of this dice loss. It's a new twist on the classic dice games we know and love, and is now available for free in the Google Play Store. So what are you waiting for? Get invested in these trials and download Slotsy today and fulfill all of your dice-related needs. 
Can I invest in this company? You absolutely can. I feel like they're doing God's and work. what what I can tell you is that you can do really well with dice if you can get five other people to invest in your investment of dice. Oh, you know, let's, we'll take we'll take this offline because I don't want to give away these these great money making secrets of how you could be your own boss. Contact me directly at Solitalker if you want to know more. Yeah, he'll he'll leave his address in the uh, description. <laughs> All right, well uh, that's that's been episode forty. Hey, that's kind of an anniversary episode. Congrats! It is. Congrats to us. Forty episodes. That's not so bad. No, no, I wish still going strong. Yeah, yeah, it's well. I, and at no point did we say that we were over the hill here. So, uh, you know, that, I, I remember like it was just yesterday making jokes about us being legal, and now here we are. <laughs> yeah, it started to get weird after a while. <laughs> Far too old to be making jokes about people being legal. <laughs> yeah. What? We're we're over the hill. That's acceptable yeah. in the United States of America. Nah, we can talk about age, we can talk about teenage girls. No, cut your age in half. Add seven. That's the rule. Oh, that's what people were talking about the other night. Oh, my <laughs> friends are gross. Okay, well that's been episode forty, everyone. I'm Ben Brent, aka Arcadia, and this has been also with me. Solid. Eh, I got it this time. Andy, <laughs> aka Solid Talker. Solid. Don't solid. Edit any of that solid out. Andy. <laughs> That's, that's what we call him. Solid Andy from the streets. <laughs> Andy, a.k.a. Solid Talker on Twitter and nowhere else. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, check us out. Game Off Podcast on everything. Primarily Facebook, Twitter, website, email. <laughs> on, I don't know. Just on everything. Everything. Head on down to your local CVS asking for Game Off Podcast. Game off pod- I mean, they, they might have some of the stickers. I, I, I've been putting them all over the place. Uh, oh, no, that might be legally binding. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't disrupt society. Don't worry about that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, disrupt. everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.